Hello and welcome to All of the Above. I'm James Brown. Thanks for joining me. You can check out my work at jamesbrowntv.substack.com. And of course, like, share, and subscribe. We're live on Twitter, YouTube, and Facebook with our guest, Eric Hunley. Hi, Eric. Hey, how you doing? I'm well. How about yourself? All right. Just, just living the dream, my friend. Just living the dream. I've been watching Eric's content for literally years. You know, his catalog is growing on YouTube and other platforms as well. Eric, welcome to the program. Well, thank you, sir. Did I leave anything out? I mean, uh, you, you're on YouTube, mm-hmm. four channels, laid back mm-hmm. news, mm-hmm. unstructured. Uh, yep. America's untold stories. Yes. Nate and Eric. Nate and Eric. That's the one I'm leaving out. Yeah, it's it's relatively new, and um, it's with Nate, the lawyer. So we have we're trying to figure out the timing to be able to regularly put out content. We have a great time together, but it's just tough to tough to pull that. I, I don't know if you know Nate; he's got a huge channel and a very busy guy with his kids and everything. Yeah, I, I've seen Nate's content as well. Let's uh, so let's walk through the the channel. So America's Untold Stories. Uh, how would you describe it? Um, that one is with Mark Robert. We tend to focus on, in general, obscure American history or overlooked American history, but with a touch of the JFK assassination, a little bit of conspiracy, some would probably say, uh, mixed in. But that's essentially that channel. Two shows a week. One is on Tuesdays. That's the Well Research channel. And then Fridays is Freeform Friday, where we just sort of hang out, talk about current events. My show partner, Mark Grobert, is a writer in Hollywood who has worked with Oliver Stone and folks like that. And honestly, a lot of the stories we cover are failed projects that he put forth for a movie. Mm-hmm. So he did all the research, you know, put the package together, went in front of the studios, and they said, yeah, no thanks. But it's still good content. Fascinating. Uh, wow. Uh, so uh, laid back news. Walk us through that one. Laid back news is a combination of news commentary. I'm working on bringing that back. It's, it was fallow for a little bit. I broke my wrist at the end of the year and was not able to focus on everything. But that and a legal panel every Friday. So I've shifted the... I shifted the legal panels off of the Eric Hunley channel or on structure, whatever, over to layback news because everything that is current is going to be there versus evergreen, which is on Eric Hunley or America's untold stories. What is unstructured become? It's just my name, Eric Hunley. So it's like Eric Hunley unstructured. Mm-hmm. You can think of it either way. Okay. And uh, you said you broke your wrist are you are you in no it's it's, yeah it's 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 been healed yeah i've had the surgery and it's mostly you know mostly back it's good enough i'm i'll probably never have a hundred percent movement but you know what it is how'd it happen embarrassingly i was walking on my deck and it was a slippery spot and i slid out sideways and caught myself so no no great story involved just very humiliating, fell full weight. I am a very large person and 
caught it full weight on there, noticed that it was bent at a very weird angle. And I said, oh, this doesn't look right. And it was Sounds broken three painful. places. Sounds really painful. It, it, it was, but it wasn't. I don't know how to explain it. I I, th- I would have thought I would have been on, you know, rolling over crying, but I, I really wasn't. I was more, I think it was shock and adrenaline, but I'm just like, oh, I don't think this looks right. And then, you know, remember, it's like, oh, let me get my ring off because, you know, before it swells and I have to get that cut off. And I don't know. It, it hurt more later than it did during. Huh. After. Huh. What do you make of that? I'm, I'm, I'm not sure. Shock. I'm, I'm going to assume shock. I'm going to assume, you know, just everybody's wired different, different ways. Uh, for some reason, it didn't, um, it, it just, it hurt. I'm not going to sit there and say I was, you know, in pleasure, but it, it wasn't quite what I thought it would be. You know, I, I really thought it would be like, you know, pass out pain, like, oh my God, help. And it was just more of a, oh God, this doesn't look right. Oh, I probably should go to the doctor and argue with the wife about emergency rooms versus uh, doc in the box because I'm cheap. But <laughs> I don't know. And you had the presence of mind to pull your, your ring off. Yeah. On the way there, because um, I, I mean, you don't want to get the ring on there and your finger just because I've, I've got them cut off. And this is one of those aura things, which cost a couple hundred damn dollars back when I had the money. I'm like, I, 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 Oh, let me get this thing off. Which was now that hurt actually, because my wrist is broken and I'm sitting there trying to stabilize, but you know, I, I'm glad I got it off. You know, it's, it's my maneuver. Maybe it's just me, but I'd be focused on the pain. But why? I don't think I would. I'd be able to to convince myself to to have the presence of mind if I'm in. You know, maybe because I'm a woman. I don't. And I and well, I'm just no, like I don't so want to think pain. about it. I don't want to think about pain. So I'll think about everything but that. <laughs> I mean, it's not heroic. I mean, it's like okay, uh, uh, two choices. I could have misery or something else. <laughs> I'll go with something else if I can. <laughs> well, I, <laughs> I, I, I'm, I'm putting myself in your place. So, so I have, I am outside. I'm, I slip and fall. I don't have a deck, but I mm-hmm. do have a back porch where I could mm-hmm. easily slip and fall. Mm-hmm. And I'm on my way to a hospital. I don't wear rings, but if I, I'm just mm-hmm. imagining one. I guess I, I guess maybe 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 I could have could pulled it together enough to enough to do that. I wasn't I driving. I, now that <laughs> would have been something. <laughs> yeah, it it wouldn't have been a good idea. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, I, I'm not trying to say it's heroic. I, I just that yeah. it it is what it is. I, I mean, I, I'm it doesn't it doesn't really make sense. Okay, fair enough. So what's a wisdom minor? The what? What's a wisdom minor? Oh, wisdom minor. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah, sorry. There's actually a story to that. Uh, Akira the Dawn, I don't know if you're familiar with him. No. He he does like a lo-fi um, trip-hop uh, music sound. He's a DJ. He's been everywhere, like at Justin Bieber's parties and stuff, LA. And he put together a, a style of music that he calls meaning wave. 
And what he does is he'll take things, everything from a Jordan Peterson lecture to Joe Rogan to Jocko Willink or whatever, and he puts a, a beat behind it and a music behind like their their lecture or their statements or interview parts or whatever it is. And it's all meant to be inspirational on the theory that anytime you read something, you know, you could read something once, twice, whatever, or you can listen to a lecture. Yeah, you can might hear it a couple times, right? But how many times can you listen to the same song? Honey. Many, many more times. Right. And if you put that in, you're actually hypnotizing yourself with motivational material. And that's what he has created. Where this is going is I've had him on a couple times talking about it. And I think I, I did a super chat or something, sent it to him. And he was like, this is Eric Hunley. And he could, didn't know how to describe me. And he said, he's kind of a wisdom miner. <laughs> and I love that term because I don't profess to have wisdom of my own. But I really love interviewing other people and learning from them and and mining for or digging out wisdom through our conversation. So I thought that was a amazing label and something that I hope to strive to earn over time. As do I. And in observing your work, I would put it in a couple different buckets. Just, you know, just, a, just as a, a mm -hmm. casual observer of you. Crime. Some? Lots of crime. Celebrities. Lots of celebrities. Sure. And consequences. Okay. Human it, behavior. It, human behavior overall. Yeah. It all falls under that. What is it about human behavior? Well, I mean, what are we? What makes us different than everything else? Why aren't we just an animal? Why aren't we a car? Why aren't we? Our behavior is what determines what we are. So that's what I find interesting. And I also enjoy the level of curiosity. Like, like, like I, and I think it spoke to your, your explanation about sort of like, you don't profess to know everything. It's sort of like, you're, you're, like, like <laughs> you, you, the way you go through your process, from what I've seen, you're, if, if you are in the background, you're cool. Mm. If you're front and center, you're cool. It's whatever feeds the, the show. Yeah. Yeah. And in person, I'm, I'm pretty much, um, I guess say antisocial, but I'm an introverted person. And at a party, I would be the guy on the side talking to somebody, you know, just about modifying or changing the whole world with all the intensity while we're over here. You, you guys go, go have your party, whatever. Shut up. I'm busy. We're saving the world here. Me and this this other person I just met five minutes ago, but damn it, the world will be saved. So you're an introvert that's constantly pumping out content. Yeah, ambervert, maybe, if you What's will. What's an ambervert? Kind of uh, the ability to extrovert at points when performing something or doing something. I, I, don't, I don't know if it's amber or ambla, but it, it's kind of a, a combination of the two. And it, I think... Nobody is completely one thing or another. Some are more extroverted than anything. Some are more introverted. But like if I'm performing, I get tired. I, I feel a very real ex exhaustion from trying to emit or whatever. Hopefully I try to be entertaining or thoughtful or whatever it is. 
but um, my natural inclination is an introvert and to listen. And I try to hopefully use that for a better interview. Like I can talk to you, but there are two ways to go about it. Well, there's more than two, but I'm just going to cover two. And that would be either I ask you a question and then you answer, and I actually listen to your answer, absorb it, and try to go somewhere with it or, or, or to discover something from that. Or I just go to my next damn question because I wrote 20 questions, and you know what? I got another question here. I don't have time, dude. It's swimming, it's swimming through the stew of what the stew that you're creating at the same time, right? You're, 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 you and me, we're, we're sitting here. We've been sitting here for over 10 minutes at this point. And we're, as we interact, we're sharing thoughts and ideas mm-hmm. and trying to learn about each other. Mm-hmm. And it's being willing to stray from the list. And I got, I got like 20 questions for you for sure. Mm-hmm. But like, What's what's more interesting is something like learning about the ambivert. Mm-hmm. And to me, that's not something that's common in a lot of content creators. They are sort of either staying on track. They're a little bit more ruthlessly um, don't want to stray from their message. They are um, more self-centered might be a good word for it. Um what makes you want to take that approach when you make your content? Well, I, I could listen to 20 questions anywhere. It would be very boring. And I'm part of the conversation. I got to be there. So I, I, I need to get something out of it if I shut up, or if I show up, or, or why am I there? Um, yes, I, I would like to have the most popular program in the world. Maybe someday I'll get there. But I have to be motivated to actually do it for nothing. And again, I'm the same person online or off. Um, one, w- one crazy example is we went to a rental car agency and the person behind the counter was wearing, it was a, a smartwatch. I think it was like some sort of Samsung or Android. I'm a big Apple watch person. You know, I, I'm very interested in tech and different things. Right. So I just look and I'm like, Oh, you know, is, um, you know, which watch is that or whatever? And she goes, oh, yeah, yeah, um, I, I use it for messages. Um, I need it for my other job because I'm a mortician. I got to keep my hands, you know, I'm free. Now, I could have stopped and said, oh, yeah, that's cool. And I get, you know, I get messages on my, I, I, you know, Apple Watch too. Isn't that awesome? But the first thing is, wait, you're a what? You're a mortician? And you get the watch because you're Screw the watch. How does that work? <laughs> and, and, and that's all it is. It's like, that's interesting. Okay, how many rental car agents do you know that are morticians? None. But it's pretty freaking cool, isn't it? Yeah. That's it. So that that's kind of, that's kind of where I am. And I personally feel that everybody is amazing. They just don't know it. Because... Anything I tell you is pretty damn boring because it's me, dude. I live it every day, okay? It's just me. And that's the way it is with everybody, right? They live it every day. So it's just their existence, just what they do. 
But if you really start to dig, they do some really interesting things, or they have some interesting outlooks that you might not have heard before. And so if you're kind of tuned in, you just sort of listen to the answer and maybe dig a little, I don't know, that's probably more interesting than the questions that you're devising ahead of time without any external input from someone. Is that what drew you to this line of work? Um, I'm interested in people and I'm interested in thoughts, so to speak. Um, <clears throat> as an example, how I started the podcast Unstructured, because this started as a podcast in 2018, a while ago. Well, it took me 10 years to start that. And that went through a series of, I just kind of wanted to do a podcast because it would be really cool to hear myself on a podcast. Whatever. Makes no sense. I tried to do theater back in the day with high school and different things too. But I couldn't figure out what to do. So I was thinking, oh, I'll do an Apple podcast. You know, Apple products, I think they're really cool, great stuff. And I like watching Leo Laporte, Mac Break Weekly. I like Daring Fireball, where, where it's the talk show technically. And I'm going to listen to different ones. And I realized, well, you know, they all do a pretty good job of that. What the hell am I going to add to it? So I just kept listening to their stuff. Then I became a runner and was training to get into shape. I was very, very obsessed about it. Thought about doing a podcast there. But one of the things that I've been doing even when I was running before that is I'm always listening to books, be it like a Malcolm Gladwell's or Freakonomics podcast, Freakonomics books, um, different philosophy, just different books, you know, uh, wisdom of crowds. Uh, the list goes on. Uh, John Rady's book, I believe, you know, the, how your mind can work with the exercise, etc. And, I stumbled across a podcast called Mixed Middle Arts because of Joe Rogan and Sam Harris being pissed off at a guest. <laughs> now, I, I put it out there probably enough, but I, I think that Sam Harris can be considered a smug prick. And it kind of was like, well, if this guy irritated Sam Harris... Let me go see what the podcast is, which is not exactly a positive. I'm, I'm trying to profess a positive thing here, but, you know, occasionally I'm not nice. But I was just like, okay, so who is this guy? And it turned out the individual's name is Hunter Motz. And he was co-host of a show called Mixed Middle Arts with Brian Callen, the comedian. Formerly the Brian Callen show. It's had 20 names or whatever. But I was like, okay. So I checked out the show. And dang it. They were listen. They they were interviewing these damn authors that I was listening to, these really cool people. It's like, oh, there's Jonathan Haidt on their show. There's um, oh god, I can't even remember all of them offhand. But it's just like all these cool authors. I'm reading their books. They're interviewing. It's like, what would that be like to be able to talk to these authors? Well, then I got kind of mixed up in the community, and the community is. Um, The best way I could put it is they're all smarter than I am, which isn't a giant achievement, but they really like to prove how smart they were through a form of um, an intellectual masturbation almost. <laughs> and and it, it could be a little bit annoying. And I just thought a little bit, just, just a skosh. Just skosh. I thought, I thought I want to talk to these authors 
but I want it in my level, which is, I love the idea of, you know, I like to hang out at a pub. I like to hang out at a brewery, have a beer at a table and just talk. You know, like I said, if I was at a party, I'm over on the side. Well, that, that's what I wanted. I was like, I want to talk to, but I want to talk on my level. You know, like at my level that I understand because I don't understand the highfalutin concept they might have. So maybe I can ask enough questions and get that concept down to, to my level and that is something that could be potentially different than almost competing with the uh, guest or author, if that makes sense. Yeah, it does. Instead of you're allowing your guest to be the star. Yeah, which they are. I mean, who, who was the greatest um, nighttime, late night TV host of all time? Hmm. Of all time. That's yeah. a difficult one. I, I think many people would say Johnny Carson. It's He's not my favorite. It's okay. not just because I'm a little bit young for him, but 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 many people would say Carson. Mm-hmm. Um, some would say Letterman. Okay. Um, Tom Snyder is someone who I, I, um, I, I, I didn't get to see him much live mm-hmm. because I was very, very, very young. But... Mm-hmm. Um, from what I've seen of him, he was fantastic. Um, who would be? I would lean on. I would lean on Carson, and the reason is, and I know he's the most popular, but that's part of why. Carson always let the guest shine. Carson was always the butt of the joke. Carson was always the straight man. Carson would wind them up, and then just watch. Now, Letterman, you know, people love Letterman. That's cool. But Letterman's competing with the guests. Letterman has to be clever. Where I think Carson was, you know, very astute is like with Rodney Dangerfield. Just just watch him with Rodney Dangerfield. He's like, wind up, boom, go. So, hey, how you doing, right? Well, let me tell you. And he had that grace to always give it to him. He also had the grace to fail. And the laughs that he would get often were not from the joke, which might be hmm, okay, but it fall flat. And so then the follow-up would be the reaction to the lack of reaction about the joke. There was the humor to it. Tom Snyder, I can see where you're saying that, but I think Tom Snyder's a little bit on the intellectual side of it. So I, I think of him as an intellectually um, stimulating person and more in the Charlie Rose camp, but on lightning late night TV, if that, if that makes sense. So yeah, that's fair. If you're into that, that that's completely awesome. But I was just thinking in terms of the host for the everyman, for the largest scale audience, etc. That's where I think Johnny Carson was legendary. Yeah. It, it seems like the bracket that you're working through would be, it'd be Carson. It would be Letterman. It'd be Leno. It'd be Conan O'Brien. To a degree, I know Conan. Yes, he was in Late Night Forever. Yes, he was doing comedy, mm. but I, I, I always felt his, and I thought in part why it didn't work quite as well when he got to the Tonight Show was I always felt he was very niche, mm-hmm. uh, almost too niche. So is Letterman actually? I, I, I think yeah. that you know everybody wants to say, oh, Jay Leno just stole it from Letterman. It's like, 
Not necessarily. I think that uh, Jay Leno managed to do the, you know, beer and hamburger aspect more than Letterman. Without a doubt, he was broader. Yes. And I, I think that that's really where that came. Now, if we might go niche, I think, I don't know if he is yet, but quickly becoming my favorite comedian might be Norm MacDonald. Interesting. I love Norm, but I don't, I don't know if I call him my absolute favorite, but I, I love Norm. I like the thing about Rest Norm. Is, yeah, of course. But that part of what I love so much about him is that he's he's like the meta comic. He is literally working comedy as a form in of itself on itself. And every time you hear something, you you get one level, and it's like there's actually three levels above that. Every damn thing he does, which I think is fascinating, even to okay, so he's got to do a roast, so he does an anti roast. He's going to be on late night television with uh, Conan O'Brien, right? And so he tells a shaggy dog story for an entire segment. <laughs> One yeah. joke. The, the, the fearlessness and the skill to do something like that, I think, is mind boggling. I mean, I initially would say George Carlin because I love his observational humor, but I just, there's something about, as I age and I look at it over time that Norm MacDonald just keeps growing in esteem. Carlin is, is broader and strangely enough, he's both broad and kind of niche at the same time. Mm -hmm. If you get mm -hmm. what I'm saying. I do. In that I think he's sort of this figure who everybody knows and well, I, you know, and I love him. I love his work, but I do think there's a large amount of the population who barely know his work. They know baseball and football. And a few, that maybe. Well, baseball and football things. is broad, sure. Um, well, and Carlin, keep in mind that he was a hippy dippy weather guy mm -hmm. on Ed Sullivan, and he was arrested with Lenny Bruce. Mm -hmm. So that's why you've got this contradiction. You have the broad comic, right? Friendly, hippy-dippy weather guy. To the tie and all that. And you also have the guy who was arrested, cokehead, and hung out with Richard Pryor, arrested with Lenny Kravitz, and almost anti-comedian on the first episode of Saturday Night Live ever. So, yeah, you got both. And... He's also a guy who would go really deeply political. That was especially toward the end. And even yeah. I felt like he just got bitter. If, uh, 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 do you, did you listen to It's Bad For You? Um, I, I listened to a lot of it. it toward the end, like the oddies. Yeah. He was just bitter. I mean, uh, I saw Carlin live twice in the 80s um, at, at his peak. Mm -hmm. And uh, I think that that's when he was just unstoppable as a comedian. He was razor sharp. He was political as hell even then, but it was funny. There's mm -hmm. a difference in, in having a, a, a joke and being, you know, having a razor wit and being very incisive and then just, just railing at people. And that's, that's why, um, you know, we can go right back to late night. I think late night sucks. Mm -hmm. It all sucks. And part of the reason is that, one, 
they're lazy. They're not really going for laughter. They're going for clapter. That's a Norm Macdonald, by the way. You know, it's like, I'm going to deliver in a pattern. I'm telling you this. And so here's the punchline. Laugh. Not tell me a joke so I don't know what the hell just happened. And that's maybe part of the reason that I miss Norm Macdonald so much, too, is the whole. He's a sneaky bastard. Mm-hmm. <laughs> with that. I mean, I don't know if you know what I'm talking about with the shaggy um, dog bit. On oh, Coming yeah. The Bride. Okay. Absolutely. The moth. Yes. Think of the punchline. It's the lamest punchline in the world. But it's hilarious because he took you on this crazy ass journey to get there. Absolutely. It was all about the journey. It wasn't about the the mm-hmm. punchline at all. And he also is happy half the time if you don't laugh. That's the weird part, too, is it's like mm-hmm. that guy, um, because like I read his memoirs, right? I didn't really care for him. I didn't think it was that funny. So go figure. But he would probably find that hilarious. Well, that's, and I, I there are several different tracks I could take that thought. <laughs> yeah, it's your show. <laughs> One, uh, uh, I've heard many comedians talk about the need to go on stage and not make people laugh. They need mm-hmm. to, they, they need to, uh, to work through their new material mm-hmm. and write bad stuff and have it bomb. Have it bomb, mm-hmm. have it bomb, and find that nugget in that mountain of stuff. Mm-hmm. And uh, and that always fascinates me, and that's that's one reason why I'm never going to be a comedian. Because <laughs> that's going to be very, very oh, hard. Yeah. Well, and I, here's the weird part, though. I think I, in general, prefer comedians offstage. Hmm. I like to listen to a Burt Kreischer hanging out with a Joe Rogan or the, I like it when they're on podcasts and they're just BSing with each other because I feel like I'm hanging out with these people and that, yeah, they happen to be professional comedians, but not every joke lands. Okay. And a lot of it, they're just throwing things out there or somebody throws something out there and then somebody jumps on it and, the first person who's trying to make a joke falls flat on their ass, but then the next person can get a huge light and nobody knows what's happening. It feels very real, very intimate. By the time they're on stage doing a routine, it's too polished. Now, one exception is I think Chris Rock's latest routine was phenomenal. I, I really was quite impressed with it and it felt fresh even though it was obviously extremely rehearsed, every comedian mm-hmm. is extremely rehearsed, but it's still, and I think it might be that level of experience and how long he's been doing it and just the skill. But that, that really, really impressed me. I was like, wow, he, he's really, really killing it here. Did you hear the anger? Oh yeah. What'd you think about the anger? I think it's great. I, I, I don't want I, I I want somebody to be up there and feel something. Right. I mean I I, I agree with you to a degree where I, I want I want I want the the artist to actually feel mm-hmm. be expressing something very real. Mm-hmm. But on another level it felt 
a little almost too personal. You know what? I, it, it, it almost a little a little too raw. But but his rationale for bringing it out in the public is that hey, this incident that we're talking about Will Smith mm-hmm. punching him in, well, slapping him. Uh, you know, so it's like when you consider size differences, but yeah, 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 in front of the world at the Oscars, mm-hmm. th- that he would, you know, hold off, wait the year, mm-hmm. and then and then uh, slap Will back in on, in front of a massive Netflix audience. Mm-hmm. But part of it felt very a little invasive for me, a little bit, a little bit too man. I, I, I or or maybe I'm just hoping these two would sit down and work this thing out well now they Um, can maybe now they can think about it think of the the depth of humiliation that chris rock went through in getting that slap you're just and and can think about uh, chris rock's not a big dude and i think by Mm -hmm. all accounts i think i've read he's bullied severely as a child absolutely now now okay you're chris rock You've been bullied seriously as a child. Your mother's gone through some things. There was some wonderful stuff in the act, by the way, talking about his mother, the background, and who is haunting about going to the veterinarian for dental work. I mean, there, there's a lot of things in that act that I think are very important to his life and understanding his identity and who he is. But now you grow up, you're no longer getting bullied. You're now top of the world, A-list actor, you're at the Oscars, right? This the, the this is a, an achievement and all the honors and everything here, right? And you get slapped like you're on the school ground as a child in front of the entire world at the absolute peak of your prominence. How do you put that back in the can? It certainly had to be something that stayed with him. It will always be with him. But at least he took that time and... Every part of him, judging from his background, because I believe he's from a, I don't, I don't want to say street, but he's from a background that you don't take that. Culturally speaking, you punch back in the background, right? He did not. He took it. And he laughed with it, right? And he even let Will Smith dance on it a little bit, too, with the whole, you know, kind of like, yeah, that's what I'm going to do. And then people were actually celebrating Will Smith for for striking somebody in public, which is absolutely disgusting. Yeah, it's ridiculous. But but this also compounds it. And they didn't show Will Smith out. So Chris Rock got to sit and simmer in the humiliation and everything else. So he took a year and he slapped him back with words. And he got an opportunity to hit Will Smith back without causing any physical harm or anything else. But he got a little piece of his own to put them both back up to a bit of an even playing field, if you will. Now maybe they can talk. Maybe they can move forward. In the days and weeks that followed that incident, I found myself thinking a lot and talking with a lot of different people about it and how I would react and whether I would, I'd punch back or I'd slap back or how, I mean, or, or would I even like be, be able to compose myself enough to complete the, uh, 
the um, the nominations that he was reading afterward. It's very impressive. Yeah, I I don't think I could have done the nominations. I think I might have slapped back. Yeah, I think. But the shock, I guess the the, the shock level would be even higher just because of the, the size of the stage. Right. And, and and you're also trapped, right? Because, okay, think of the last thing that Chris Rock closed that bit with. He was talking about uh, because he's, his parents taught him better. Never, never hit somebody in front of white people. Remember oh, yeah. The, the, yeah. No, 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 no. It, it, there is a, a huge amount of significance. And why did he close the act with that? Why did he do that? I mean, there's a huge amount of significance there. And keep in mind, there were those who mocked him, and there are mm-hmm. those who feel he should have hit back. Mm-hmm. And that's where I was saying they were celebrating Will Smith. Yeah, you stood up for his woman. Uh-uh. It, he was put in. He didn't do a damn thing wrong. Even his joke about Jada Pinkett Smith. Mm-hmm. It was, was benign. Praise. It wasn't even benign. It was praise. If you think about it, he was comparing her to a woman in a movie who got herself into the Navy SEALs, which is complete utter empowerment if you really think about it. G.I. Jane. It, yes. G.I. Jane. Is that an insult? That is saying that this is a powerful, strong woman in a man's world fighting her way through. That's what he compared her to. How's that an insult? I think it's a fair assertion that um, that it that perhaps Will just took it wrongly. Okay. Obviously, there you 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 got a relationship there that that's sure it is complicated, mm-hmm. um, and they they've learned those complications in public, mm-hmm. and it, it also looked like he was drunk or had was under the influence Could of be. something. Could be. I don't know. Um, so I, I wonder if he, if he was simply he was he was clearly embarrassed, and I've gotten that look from you know I, you know, when when I've been around someone else, and my exes have been embarrassed or have mm-hmm. been you know not necessarily insulted so much, but like but, but like. Where where I've gotten a look from my companion looking. Uh, what are you going to do about this? Like, do yeah, about exact, exactly. Mm-hmm. And and I think I'm. I think perhaps he because of his state of being at the moment because he was cuckolded, and yeah. and and he felt humiliated in front of the public. And it, no, I get it. I get the whole psychology. Yeah. Uh, uh, here's the problem, though. Chris Rock didn't slap him. He slapped Chris Rock. I understand, and I, I felt complete pity for Will Smith. I do feel complete pity for Will Smith in a situation all the way to the point where he harmed somebody else in front of the entire world. I, I, I know that I can, I can cross both ends of it. It's sort of like um, if you look at a lot of uh, serial killers and things like that, they were horribly, terribly abused as children. And I absolutely cry for their childhood. I cry for everything they've been through until they kill somebody. Then uh, my tears are drying up. It doesn't justify what they did. That's my point. Yes. 
I do see your point. I think it's a good one. And I think... I And we haven't heard from Will since that performance. No, not, not since Chris Rock. I, I think the point was made. So, you know, it'd be great is what if Will took a year and then what if they showed up and on a movie together or did a project together? That that would be the ideal. Because really a lot of this should have been handled privately. But Chris Rock did have to hit back in public, I think, for himself. For for to feel like, okay, I can start moving on now. I don't have this thing swirling around all the time. I don't have it where everybody is always asking. I can just point to that, say there, I answered. It's right there. Go, go look it up. Uh, nobody's asking him about it anymore, are they? He yeah, they ended the conversation. Yep. Put a punctuation, you know, exclamation point on it. It's done. Before that, it was like, you know, that uh, Dave Chappelle, when he was attacked, and then Chris Rock made a little snarky comment, which was actually pretty funny. But every time his name came up, it was, what about, what about, what about? Well, he answered it now. And I do think at some time they could potentially work together. I think they were friends at one point. Yeah. Uh, they go back a long way. Mm -hmm. And they were all, they all started to become famous right around the same time. Will mm -hmm. coming off his rap career, Chris Rock early in his stand-up career, and Jada Pinkett as an actress, sort of in that late sure. 80s, early 90s period. Mm -hmm. Um, and, uh, so they, they definitely bounced off each other a lot. Yeah. So there, there's a ton of history, ton of act, but I, I feel like if Chris Rock, Rock never answered it, it would always be this weird lingering thing. Good point. Eric Hundley, any famous last words? Hey, thank you very much. Have a great evening. No, I don't know. <laughs> All right. Eric Hundley, thank you for joining me. Thank you.